Hi, this is Joe Rand. I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. I once got a news tip that seemed not only highly improbable, but probably impossible. It turned out to be true. Imagine if someone called you six months ago and said a pandemic will hit the world in February, it will shut down the global economy, and you will be locked up in your house for weeks, maybe months. I have learned to never dismiss a news tip, but I have also learned never to publish something unless you can confirm it is true. One news tip I got several years ago did seem very unlikely. Compass was acquiring Pacific Union real estate? Really? It was true, and the announcement put the rest of the real estate industry into a tailspin about what to expect from the fast-growing, well-funded New York-based Compass. With me today, and very exciting, is Mark McLaughlin, who is the owner of Pacific Union and who is now an executive with Compass. Greetings, Mark. How are you? I'm well from uh, Northern California. Thrilled to be here today. That's, is that your native land? Are you from the Bay Area? Since seventh grade, so I've been here longer than, uh, yeah, I've been here a long time. I'm not going anywhere. And where, where did you, where from, in seventh grade did you come from? It's funny, my dad was with Xerox when it was growing like a weed, and so we moved every year from the time that I was born till seventh grade all over the United States. So I was born in North Carolina, we lived three separate times in Rochester, New York, twice in LA, and uh, he quit his job with Xerox in 1971, moved out here and bought a sailboat, and then came and grabbed the family. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled he did it. <laughs> we know the Bay Area, I, I was there 30 years, and it is just staggeringly the most beautiful yeah. place in the yes. world. Lucky people. And you're in a nice place, Marin County. Um, hey, Mark, tell me, just so we can cut away from, uh, Barron's wrote an article about Compass this weekend. Uh, it's kind of the same old, same old, you know, um, trash talking compass. The industry loves to trash talk unless they work for compass. Uh, give us the lay of the land is, you know, people always email me, text me is, you know, is, is compass on the brink? And I answer, I think, isn't everybody on the brink? <laughs> but <laughs> but tell, tell me how, how it's going there. Um, and then we'll move on to kind of how you see the world. Yeah, sure. The, um, yeah, I read the article. Uh, I think I got a dozen copies of it or so with my coffee on uh, on Saturday morning. And after I finished reading it, I, I just kind of said to myself, okay, what was the author's point? What's his purpose? Is is it just trash talking or is it, it wasn't advice to a home seller. Was it advice to an investor? I really don't know. And um, in terms of Compass delivering on technology, um, we seem to get a new technology release about every 14 days. And the one that came out on Monday is called Compass Lens. And Compass Lens gives, especially in, in shelter in place, gives our people the ability to take a photo of an existing home, of, of like the kitchen of an existing home, drop it into a database, an AI-enabled database, and serve back a number of pictures that will resemble the remodeled kitchen, mm. right? So it's sort of the virtual Compass Concierge. If you're gonna take Compass Concierge dollars, which about 20% of our listings embrace. This is a way to do it online before we've spent the dollar. Productivity tool, yeah, for sure. So back to the Barron's article, <clears throat> it does throw some shade uh, for sure, but 
it didn't really look under the hood and find out what was going on. Um, yeah. So business-wise, we're in California. Our business was up about 25% year over year uh, through the through March. Um, April, probably be 70% of last year. May, looking at sort of 50%, maybe 40%. Um, once we get SIP relaxed, we see the world uh, housing sort of leading it coming back. So let's go into some of this. So most of the people I talk to are seeing as much of a 75% drop in uh, transactions and coming up here in May, spring, summer. So you guys are saying you're more like 50? Well, I, I do think May will be indeed that's that 70, 75%. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, March was carried by, you know, business as usual up until about the 15th. And then I have been amazed at the resilience of the consumer to continue to want to buy real estate, even in shelter in place. And I mean, so April making is, offers or they're just dancing around looking. No, they're, they're well, let's say from the 15th of March till about the 10th of this month, you know, there was still sort of this queue of people that I need a home. And they had already toured a number of homes. And so they did make offers and they're now closing. So we got a lot of cancellations in business of escrows that were generated pre-SIP, but the durability of escrows that were generated afterwards um, are pretty good. You know, our cancellation rate is back to sort of normal. And the renegotiating of contracts. I mean, if I was in a, in a deal March 1st, but wasn't closed until April 15th, I'd be after my realtor to, you know, redo the terms. How's that going? I hear that's pretty prevalent everywhere. Definitely. I mean, I think that a seller should be prepared for that, that in this environment, there's definitely uncertainty. And if you don't do it, you're not going to sell your house. Well, if you have the ability to not sell it, don't sell it, right? Yeah. Um, we're seeing below $3 million, sort of a 5 to 10% movement, and above $3 million, 10% or more. Renegotiated or just price drops? Well, both. If you, have, if, you're, if you have the latitude within a contract and your contingencies aren't gone, yeah. um, we're, we're seeing some, some retrading, not as much as on the purchase side with, with the new escrow. Let me ask you that you guys gave stock options. Let's go to, well, first let's go to sellers. Are people listing or are they, or is there still a listing drought like before? Is it changed? What's the dynamic of the lister? Well, we, we've definitely had probably 30% of our inventory withdrawn just because this is not the environment that a seller wants people in their home. And it actually in pretty much all the counties that we operate in California, list, uh, tours are to be virtual um, unless it's not feasible. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty natural that inventory would, would withdraw, but I think this, our inventory is more evergreen than like an airline seat. When that plane takes off <clears throat> and that seat's not occupied, it's never coming back to inventory. Whereas yeah. our inventory can come back on the market the whole, you know, all the real estate business can. I saw some this morning, I was reading this futuristic document where everybody speculates and uh, I thought this really told the story. The value of Zoom is is greater than the uh, market cap of all the airlines together. Um, so anyway, whatever that means. Uh, so sellers, let's move to agents. Uh, a couple things about your agent. You know, we get all these tips. We get it about everybody, but uh, you guys gave stock options, right? Or they bought stock options. Is that challenging for your I mean, anybody in any tech startup right now seeing or anybody that has options in any company, if you got, 
you know, Realty stock as part of your compensation as an executive. Uh, all that's down. I assume you guys face the same music, but that and everything else, what's the mood of the Compass agent these days? Any distinctive characteristics of their mood versus what you see in the competition? And most importantly, how do you manage to the uh, reality that has hit, whether it be a top producer or an everyday agent, the music of not only the pandemic, but now an economic collapse? Yeah, not simple times, that's for sure. And you know, I'm a Compass shareholder, so I'm, uh, I'm going to stay on this path for as long as it takes. And, you know, that could be three years out before there's, you know, any kind of a liquidity event. Um, Compass does have an agent um, uh, equity program where uh, agents have the ability of carving off a strip of their uh, annual income and investing it into options. Now, is that uh, for a deal? Like, a, they, I, I close a deal, I get 6% and Marina, it's 30,000. Can I actually buy options from that commission or do I do it at the end of the year somehow? Or? So it's, it, it's, it's pretty regulated. Actually, it's regulated by the IRS. And so uh -huh. you, Brad signs up for the agent equity program in 2020. Those are RSUs or restricted stock units. And you say, I want to take 10% of my income up to a cap of X. Right. And as my deals close, we take 10% up to a cap of X. And those then get invested into uh, restrict, restricted stock units. Yeah. Um, now, if you go back to the 2009 collapse, you know, <clears throat> nobody thought we'd have good times again, right? Well, same thing here is that sure, we're in a trough right now, it's horrible. You and I were just talking before, before we jumped on this about the current economic realities. Well, there will be good times again. And, you know, just like, you know, the, the last recession. So I'm, I'm confident that the world's going to settle down and we're going to get back to business, not as usual, but not as normal, because we're going to have a new normal. And the behavior of your agents, the ones that you're watching now, and I know you talk to them every day, lots of them. What's the, the behavior by some that you're, you see shining examples of agents that despite the misery, no matter how long it lasts, um, are going to come out okay? What are they doing? Well, what I'm encouraging our people to do is, is like set the record for their personal best. And I don't mean their personal best for units or dollars or anything like that. I'm talking about their personal best behavior is that let's take the health and welfare of our families and communities first and business will come back. Yeah. And so it is, I think, scary for a lot of people. Um, a, a, a great partner of mine uses an expression all the time that pretty much everybody's afraid of the dark, you know, and this is sort of dark, so it's hard. And, you know, my role and our leadership team's role is to provide, is to, is to lead, is to communicate, and it's to really kind of inspire that, you know, give them something inspirational every day that when you get up, you know, here we go, one step in front of the other, let's, you know, let's, and let's be ready. Hi, this is Sherry Chris. I'm excited to be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now Connect is coming to you. Find out details at Inman.com. What are the agents telling you? What, what are they saying? Well, there's a lot of agents that are um, very focused on some of these relief programs uh, because Service. they have employees as assistants and things like that. And I think it's okay. absolutely fantastic that the independent contractors are going to be able to get on that bandwagon here in the next, I think it's sometime next week that those applications yep. can go in. Um, that is fantastic because, 
you know, they're providing for a livelihood of someone and then they've yeah. got their own livelihood. So I was So that's like, cash that's cash in their pocket if they get going and but they got to do some paperwork. You guys help them with that? We have provided uh, our director of HR has provided great guidance to this is the site to go to, this is the date to apply, don't apply early because they're not ready. And that those programs literally are being updated sort of twice a day. I mean, it's really amazing how fast the government is moving and that usually you don't put wow. those two words in the same sentence, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, are you, have you had to lay off and furlough people on the, on the payroll or are you guys? We staying? have not at, uh, you know, I run Compass California, which is really the former Pacific Union. And we moved very quickly in the month of March. We took um, everybody back 20%. I went much deeper than that personally. So did a couple of the other executives, but we elected to take that path and try and keep the team together because we're going to need them yeah. coming up. Yeah. And you, now it's continuing in some ways the economy getting worse. Um, well, you, we all have plan B's. Let's not go into that. Tell me what you said about your belief that the housing market will lead the recovery. How, how does that look like? How could we possibly imagine that? Yeah. Well, in the last recession, we created the problem, right? It was really the subprime mortgage market that created most of the problem and the banks and the securities and whatnot. We got a healthy housing market. You know, the credit box of lenders, sure, it was relaxing as we were getting to this point, but it wasn't frothy. It wasn't a high 105% loan to value. And we, at the time, had a really robust job market, especially in the state of California. So. Coming out of this, unless you, the technology companies, are, the sales forces, the people like that of the world are gonna start laying off sales organizations, then I think we're gonna have, again, decent employment in the ranks of people buying a $1.8 million house, which is our average in California. Certainly what is it now, 1.8? 1.8 is our average trade in California. And that's so, gonna come down, right? It's gonna come down for sure. Yeah. Um, that's coastal California. You know, our furthest office from the Pacific Ocean is not 25 miles. Hmm. So that's different in Denver. That's different in um, Kansas City. It's different, you know, in Austin, Texas. The numbers are a fraction of that. But you're going to see purchasing power go up with the interest rates where they are. We'll probably see pricing come down a little bit because they're going to be motivated sellers. I mean, we did a survey. Um, probably a week back, week and a half back now, where you know 46% of our people think that uh, prices are going to come down. And uh, tell me this though, Mark, I, I'm an old school fundamentalist on the economy, and it I've never, in all my years of covering it and observing it and watching it, remember the housing market ever doing well when we have high unemployment. And in my lifetime, this month is the highest unemployment since my dead father was a little boy, like staggering numbers of unemployed people. And there's two things about it. If you don't have a job, you're not going to buy a house. And the spirit gets whipped out of you when you see your friends and family unemployed. And our, our natural impulse is to help them not, you know, do something fresh and new and exciting. And I guess this gets me to a bigger question. I just wonder if the luxury aspirational cycle that we lived in for so long, it never seems to come to an end, but it, it feels like 
you know, you'll hear a woman, I'm not buying any Chanel bags anymore. I mean, it's kind of, they, they seem empty, these, some of these aspirations. And so I think homeownership is always going to be an aspiration. So I'm not suggesting that, but in your area, the luxury markets, the high energy markets, I just can't imagine with this level of unemployment that the housing, I don't even see how the housing market would drag it back. I'm just playing devil's advocate here as well. You know, it's totally fair. I mean, it, it's horrible, you know, this, this, this unemployment rate for sure. And if you don't have confidence in your employment, it doesn't matter how inexpensive the mortgage is, right? It just doesn't right. matter. You take a half a point off the mortgage. It just doesn't matter. Right. right. But there still are a number of people who have fundamental housing needs because of, you know, divorce, marriage, babies, college, downsizing, yeah. all those different things. So that market's not going to stop. No. Yeah. I reflect back in the 2009 to 2011 period where, you know, the wealthy, if you will, and you can put that label anywhere you want, really became frugal because they didn't want to be the person, I'll just say, buying the Ferrari in the middle of a catastrophe. You know right. what I mean? They didn't want to be labeled with that brush. So I think we will see some tempered spending for sure. Um, there's no urgency in a three to five million dollar home, right? You know, or house, shall I say. Maybe if that's your home and you can afford that, there's urgency. But that secondary home market, I think, is going to, the urgency is going to be gone. Yeah. What do you, uh, we just got a few minutes here. What's your message to, one, to the real estate industry? And let's look at broker owners. Um, they were suffering already, kind of like some of these restaurants, old owners, you know, they're um, looking at, you know, we're not, we don't know if they're going to open again, or you have an older owner without a succession plan. And uh, you got that in real estate where margins are already tight. Companies were selling for nothing, even in the good times. What's your message to, I mean, what, what does that industry, that, that layer of the value chain look like in the future? Uh, is it big and boutique survive? Is it, uh, you know, getting rid of all your office space and going virtual? Um, on the other end, how is that crowd going to fare? And I know you know them all and, they all look up to you. What do you think of that crowd? Well, I think there's going to be consolidation. I don't think we need, you know, dozens and dozens of brokerage firms of 12 and 18 people because yeah. the, the cost structure of the business is just, it's not going to permit it. Um, I saw a study, I think it came out yesterday, where uh, the office footprint is running at about 20% of um, the overall cost structure of a brokerage company. Well, we've demonstrated in the last six weeks that that office space is not vital to our business. Right. And so I think that anybody with a lease coming up for expiration should be taking the steps to downsize that square footage in an aggressive way and sh sign shorter term deals. Um, that hurt. That, that's not going to hurt the consumer if realtors aren't a big fancy warehouses with other yeah. realtors, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we've got 50 offices up and down the state of California. When I walk through them, I'd like to rent every one of our desks is unoccupied to a lawyer or an architect or somebody yeah. and you know take up the space. So, and then I also think that there's going to be some structural changes between um, uh, uh, the, the we got to shore up the margins a little bit in the brokerage business. You know, it's just it's not a sustainable model where the needle gets pushed too far in one direction, um, and those with you know the best sort of infrastructures to drive productivity are going to be are going to be winners. So Leslie Appleton Young uh, did her uh, State of the Union for us last week and she named three things that are going to be winners. One was the tech enabled, two was people focused on relationships, 
and three was housing. You know, and fundamentally in the United States, like we don't have enough housing units to meet the demands of 2025. Yeah, the, the emerging demographics. So that by definition, I think our industry is going to come back. What's your view of cities? Like, there's been some speculation that maybe it's just short term, kind of like 9/11. You know, terrorists attacked a city, and no one's going to want to live in a city. That never happened. But any sense of any development plans or consumer attitudes changing because of this, where we may look for far-flung places? Or is that kind of BS speculation by futurists? Brad, I haven't uh, heard or experienced any of that. There are still people who the, the, the vibe of a city is so important to their essence, you know, and there are others that would, you know, much rather be um, deep into suburbia. Um, or open space, you know, and so I think those personal preferences will will thrive. Now you started or acquired PU during the last crisis, right? 2009? I put it in contract in April of 2009. I knew all the original guys. They, they were uh, great guys. Uh, they all, always felt like they never really did what they should have with the service side. Let, let me ask you this now. Is, are we going to see that kind of consolidation where people like you come in and acquire assets that are, you know, I'm not sure how much it was struggling. I'm sure it was. Um, is We're going to see that too, don't you think? And I wonder who, the, who are those buyers? Is it you guys? Is it Berkshire? Is it Realogy? Is it new new entrants? Like you were a new entrant. You were not, you know, you're not a residential guy. You came out of LoopNet in the commercial area. Is yeah. that going to happen, you think? I, I think there will be, uh, you know, in, in times like this, the good become great. You know, and that can be at the agent level where the good agents really become great and everybody else needs to, the bar is going to move and you need to keep up. I think you will see those with health, healthy balance sheets, those brokerage businesses with healthy balance sheets, um, continue to do acquisitions and aggregate the market. Um, and I also think we'll see fewer number of realtors. Um, mm. You know, literally, I, th I think the in the last recession, it dipped down to well below a million, like 850,000, if I'm not mistaken. And right now, I think we're somewhere around a million four. Yeah. So we'll see some shake out there as well, I would guess. But you know, the other thing is that Ryan Surin told me the other day, he said he's getting calls like crazy from unemployed people. He said he got a call from, God, some Morgan Stanley guy who got fired. And he said, should I become a realtor? I've always loved what you do. And he said, in a downturn when no one has a job, it could go the other way. Yeah, you know? And sure. then it's flooded. And then I guess that's, you know, well, we can get into all that about brokers, warehousing, bad agents. But um, anyway, Mark, you're always so articulate and smart. Any last words for the Inman community or Inman? Like, what do you want to tell Inman to do right or better? Well, I'm looking forward to your virtual uh, um, event with June uh, two and four, two through four. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for promoting that. And we're going to have you on stage, virtual stage. <laughs> I'll have to build the stage in my backyard. Yeah, um, our tagline is, uh, you've been coming to us for 25 years, now we're coming to you. So. We're coming to you. No, I think that's fantastic. And, um, you know, it's uh, the, the personal, I just think we owe it to each other to achieve the personal best behavior that we can. Let's, let's sunset this thing, let's flatten the curve, and then let's keep moving. Absolutely. That's, yeah, and we've got to stay optimistic, which you always are, and I really appreciate that. Um, and by the way, I love your morning and evening uh, email messages I get. They're always loaded with great information. Thank you for doing that. Of course. Hey, could people subscribe to that or is that? It's, um, yeah, you can, anybody that wants it can have it. It's uh, Compass California blog and the 
button says where we are now and it's open to everybody. Yeah, it's really good. I recommend it to the listeners. Again, thank you very much, Mark McLaughlin. You're a leader of the industry, always uh, proffering interesting uh, forecasts and words and um, also a a booster to keep the industry positive during this tough time. This is Brad Inman checking out.